Hi, and welcome to From Many People's Strength, the podcast where we cover Saskatchewan politics and current events. My name is Corey, and my pronouns are he and him. And my name is David. Uh, my pronouns are they, them, and I'm also okay with he, him. All right. Well, it's been a long time. <laughs> it has been. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> As yeah. we're entering into February, Happy New Year. Our previous intention. Yeah, yeah. Ex- extended holiday break. Yeah, we were going to be back a couple weeks ago, but uh, I got ill. And then I was almost worried I got ill again this weekend. So I was almost oh, no. worried we'd, we wouldn't make it this weekend. But uh, luckily, I started feeling better uh, later last night. So, Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's something. It's some non-COVID illness has started going around now. I think I, I don't. I am not a scientist, so I don't want to start speculating. But it just seems like all of a sudden everyone seems to be getting sick with non-COVID-related stuff now too. So <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't know if there is some scientific reason for why that's that's happening now. But it's uh, yeah. It, it, you're you're certainly not alone. I can't speak for other people, but I had like a serious stomach thing. For yeah. like four days last week. And then I think this week it was just food poisoning. I think I just oh, ate no. bad sushi. and <laughs> It tasted a little funny, but it was still good. <laughs> uh, that's fair. My favorite sushi place closed. Oh, no. I was so, yeah. Um, COVID. <laughs> stupid. Flipping. I don't know if that counts as Saskatchewan news, but the, the sure. best sushi place I have ever been to. And I like lived on the west coast uh the best sushi place i've ever been to was out in white city uh urban oh, yeah, sushi yeah. it was really my parents who again live just outside vancouver go have like specifically gone there when visiting regina um so it's it's disappointing it's that disappointing. it's gone and it, one one more uh one more business falling to to covid yeah so. yeah there's uh one of the stories we will cover, I think, yeah. uh, talks about restaurants uh, closing and stuff. And it is, it does seem like we're having a lot of trouble with keeping businesses yeah. open and supported. And uh, yeah. even though we're all supposedly back to work and, <laughs> yeah. and whatnot. Well, like people are being more cautious, which is, which is a good thing. Yeah. Um, I, I ordered takeout from, or they, they actually stopped doing dine-in for most of COVID. So, um but yeah, I got takeout from there a few times over over the last little while. But uh, yeah, it's just not enough for them. It's just not enough for some businesses. So and you know, and I blame it on COVID. You know, maybe it was something else. You know, there there's other reasons for closing businesses, and the right. restaurant industry is a tough industry at the best of times. But yeah, yeah, this ain't the best of times. So yeah, that's exactly it. Like, uh, what did they say? Like. Uh, most business, most restaurants close within three to five years anyway. Yeah. So. Oh, it's a, yeah, it's a tough business, <laughs> small margins. Um, it's a, it's gotta be a labor of love for, for those doing it. Um, yeah. and often it is, but even right, still. Right. <clears throat> yeah. And, uh, I suppose maybe, maybe if people got vaccinated, we wouldn't have as many <laughs> worries about this. <laughs> yeah. That certainly would make a difference. I would, I would suspect <laughs> um, it, you know, and I, it's, it, it feels like broken record time. And I know like once again, many of the stories we're going to talk about are going to be COVID and pandemic related as we go yep. through the episode uh, today. But like it, it really is just the, the, defining story 
uh, of, you know, our times. I don't know. Um, it's, we just want to be through it and it's going to start. We're we're reaching that point where because we didn't, again, we've said this how many times, because we didn't do what we needed to do early, it makes things even more difficult now. Um, And like our case numbers are higher than ever, but we're not doing the precautions that we did before. So it's spreading like wildfire. And like, luckily a lot of people are vaccinated. So when they catch Omicron, it's, they're not, you know, they're not dying in the numbers they used to. Yeah. Um, so that's good, but it's still causing harm. It's there. They still can spread, which is shitty. Um, so it's, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, tracing is not the same as it was. Uh, (laughs) so, so if somebody gets it, we don't even know who they've been in contact with. Well, and people aren't like in a lot of cases, people aren't required to isolate even when they do have it now, which is bizarre. The, the direction coming out of the school seemed super weird. Um, and, and sort of inconsistent. Like, I guess no one wants to be seen as the bad guy. So everyone is trying to be as lenient as possible. Right. But when you, when you come up with a plan that only works, if nothing goes wrong, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's probably not going to work because probably something is going to go wrong. Something and, always goes wrong. Well, and something going wrong includes not a hundred percent of the population following the rules that you do set. Yeah. Um, so we, we know that's not going to happen. Um, and it sucks that the rules then need to be stricter for those people who do follow the rules to compensate for all the idiots who don't. Yeah. 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 And then like I say, when you relax the rules, then even the people who are being strict are, are like, well, now do I just put my own rules on myself? Like, Yeah. (laughs) yeah. What am I supposed to do? Because now my boss wants me to be at work every day in public or whatever. Yep. Stuff like that. But Yeah. Well, and it's I, – I, I have spoken to a number of people who in their workplace, there are all of these official rules. So what gets written down on a piece of paper is super strict and rigid. And if you're even a little sick, stay home. And right. this, 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 and the other thing. And it's very, very by the book. It's very, very – um, strict. And then as soon as something even that could be remotely considered a gray area comes up, the non-written rules start kicking in and, yeah. you know, managers start doing the, well, do you really need to work from home? Or, okay, so I understand that, you know, you, you were, you, your rapid test came back this way. So maybe like, Stuff like that, right? Yep, so it's yep. or uh, I know I know some places they're still working very shorthanded. So then, the handful of employees that are still going to work, they if they get sick, they can't actually take time off because then there's nobody right. to cover or or there's yeah. you know doubling up the work oh, yeah. for their coworkers, right? So yeah, I think everyone's exhausted. Yep, um, <laughs> just everyone is just tired. So. And and we will get to it at the end of the episode, maybe. But uh, uh, this convoy uh, thing that's going on right now is not helping my exhaustion. No. <laughs> right? no. So not at all. 
it's adds adds to the frustration for sure. Um, yeah. It seems sometimes like people are intentionally maintaining the most ignorant perspective they can. Yes. Like absolutely it seems <laughs> that way. Um I, I would I would argue possibly because they are we've talked about this before though too. It's it's when something becomes a part of your identity. Yeah, um, yeah. It becomes really tough to give it up because at a certain point, the the social capital lost for changing your viewpoint becomes so great. It's actually not a rational position to believe the truth. Yeah. Um, it yeah. seems weird to say that. Um, and a friend of mine was talking about this the other day. I was asking like, so, you know, maybe not COVID, maybe not, you know, this, you know, uh, creationism or some of these other stuff, but like, what is it that you have? Like, and trying to, trying to do some of that self-examination. Right. Um, yeah. What is it that is, what is it that's so core to your, your identity that if you saw fundamental black and white proof that you were wrong, you still wouldn't believe it because giving up that belief um, would fundamentally <laughs> change your self identity. Like yeah, the, yeah. the social capital, the, the, the cost to your sense of self would be so great. You couldn't, you couldn't accept it. And I, I've been thinking about that a lot. I don't know if I have any concrete answers. I, I'm someone who like, again, I think everyone likes to think of themselves as being open to changing their mind. And I, I know if I look back on my life journey, my, my views on a lot of things have, have changed quite a bit over that time. So that's probably a, good sign that they yep. can continue to change. <laughs> but I think it's a good question we should all ask ourselves, like, you know, yep. what evidence, what evidence could cause you to change your mind? Um, and if the answer is nothing, then you, maybe you're still right. Like that doesn't, right. yeah, like it, there's, there's the fallacy fallacy <laughs> that just because your belief in something is rooted in a fallacy doesn't necessarily mean it's not true. Um, but it's, Still, sort of a, a a good thought experiment that we can do with ourselves to try and deconstruct some of our our own rigidity. Absolutely, I'm, I'm getting a lot more philosophical than a, a podcast about Saskatchewan politics. I feel it's probably more suited to some of your other <laughs> podcasts as I as I wax philosophical well, about I think, <laughs> the nature I think of reality uh, and truth. I think it's fundamentally important that. To recognize, because Saskatchewan seems to be in the similar epistemological crisis as the rest of the world. <laughs> we cannot seem to separate fact from fiction or find wrong. common ground with people we disagree with. So, yeah. That said, do we want to start That's moving into some of the specifics? I think that was a, a good yeah. summary of our overall sense of being coming out of the, the month and a half hiatus, but... Um, we're almost I two months hiatus, I guess. But yeah, the SAS government's quick, uh, guidance questioned as Workers' Compensation Board says it won't accept rapid tests. So this is from uh, early January, and it won't accept the Workers' Compensation Board won't accept rapid tests as proof of COVID nineteen diagnosis. And so I think this is relevant because in as of January first, Saskatchewan residents are now eligible for. 10 sick days. I, I believe, uh, I, I think that this will be the kind of thing that plays into that or will be affected by that. Yeah. 
if you don't have a, a test that says like, yeah, you're legitimately sick and uh, the PCR tests are, are the ones that the good tests, right? Yeah. So then if you have a rapid test, that's not good enough. You have to have the, the, the good test to show that you are eligible for a sick day. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, I guess I'm kind of split on this because there's two parts to the story. One is about the eligibility for sick day, but the other is for sort of long-term um, uh, workers' compensation benefits. So the, the impact right, right. of the long-term impact of, of COVID. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's I, I like for the first part, for me, like my honest belief is that it should be fucking irrelevant and that if you're sick, stay home, don't go to work and that employers should support people being sick without a test. Yep. If you're right now, if you've got a cough, don't go to work. Um, and it shouldn't cost you your well-being. <laughs> and it shouldn't cost you your livelihood and it shouldn't cost you putting food on the table for your family. Yeah. Um, that said, um, for the long term, we do know the rapid tests are flawed. okay. They're flawed. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like they're they're not administered by professionals. And I, I think one of the biggest things, at least my understanding of the flawed nature of rapid tests, is, is user error. Um, it, it's not so much that the tests themselves are awful. I, I my understanding, at least, if these rapid tests were administered by trained healthcare professionals, the accuracy is relatively accurate compared to the PCR. Not as good as the PCR. Right. They right. are still the the cheap disposable, um, you know, made in a hurry tests. Right. But they're, they're still they're good if they were administered by a professional. Yeah. Um, whereas um, when they are done at home, and like I've done a few myself so far, and I don't know how far to shove the damn thing up my nose. Like I read the instructions and there's two, two sets of instructions to how far you need to do it. If you're only doing one nostril and how far you need to do it. If you're doing two nostrils, which right. isn't quite as far. And when does your eyes water and when is it painful? And can you push through the pain? Like all of those things are, are, and I've watched multiple videos too. I've watched yeah. videos from doctors who are doing it yeah. and it seems like they're doing it slightly different. <laughs> Now I'm like <laughs> scratching my nose just thinking about it. Yeah. Um, but so my point being, I get why if we're looking at long-term disability claims that they want you to go in and get a real test or a yeah. PCR test. Um, I think we put too many road barriers for disability claims in general, so that's its own issue. Right. right. Um, and I think – I think this impacts people in small towns a lot more than it impacts people in Regina, Saskatoon. Yeah. Um, I don't know sort of the medium-sized cities, but like when I had a cold, uh, it was just before Christmas, and I, I my understanding is it's fairly similar right now. I did a rapid test. It came back negative. I'm like, okay, it's just a cold. Um, my God, the guidance I got from 811 was go in, get a real test. I drove over to the old Costco the navigating the parking lot was the hardest part. They, right. The signs weren't great, but there was no one there. Like, once I figured out how to actually get in the door, um, I was in and out in five minutes. 
Um, and I've heard fairly consistent um, reports from others as well that when you go for the um, the PCR tests in Regina or Saskatoon, you're you're in and out quite quickly. Um, my my concern is I'm guessing that's not the same if you're living in a, a small right. town. Yeah. And maybe I'm wrong. Like I, I, I don't know um, if uh, it's a, if we are it's getting a reason suspicion. <laughs> yeah, um, and that's not a criticism of the people in small towns. That's just how logistics work of distributing um, the the resources, right? Um, and I think that would be that would be an issue whether you have the best, most wonderful government that I love with all my heart in power, right. or the government we do. <laughs> um, I think either way, you're going to have issues with, you know, resource allocation in small towns when it comes to spreading that out. So um, I, I, I'm, I think that's where we need to have a little bit more, I don't know, wiggle room. But um, again, the, the long-term aspects, I think do make sense. Whereas if you're, if you are getting that negative result from the, um, the, the rapid test, it's a, it's a good sign that you should go get a, a test from the, an actual testing site. Yep. It's like the, the tests look a lot like pregnancy tests. So that the comparison <laughs> certainly jumps to mind <laughs> yeah. on the, when that comes back, you know, positive, the first thing you usually do is book an appointment with your doctor in Canada. Um, I get how that's not always the case in the U S but here, I think for the most part, most people, when they get the, the positive result on the drug store, drug store test, they, they book an appointment with their doctor. And I think on yeah. these, when you get the positive result on the do it yourself test, then go, go to the drive through yeah. clinic or, or go somewhere where you can get an actual PCR. Yep. For sure. Yeah. I, uh, that reminds me, I just saw somebody sent me a TikTok video and it was, uh, somebody putting up the a rapid test underwater and then oh. it came, it came back as a positive result. Yeah. And they use this as this kind of like excuse that these are rigged. Uh, it's a conspiracy. These don't, these will always tell you that you have COVID kind of thing. And so, I mean, I reported it as misinformation about COVID and apparently enough people did that because it got yeah. removed. So it was like, when you use this tool in an improper way, it doesn't work. It will give you an improper result. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Oh my goodness. I took a condom and poked holes in it and my partner got pregnant. The condom must be flawed. Like, in the yeah. in the comments under the video, it actually uh, somebody said like it, it actually says don't do this in the instructions. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. so. like, but again, it does speak to the whole like that's an intentional sabotage. Yeah. Um, but it does speak to the whole point of there can be user error, right? Yeah. Like that's that is intentional. But like we live in the real world. Um, like the first time I took. A, a rapid, I mean, not first, the second time I took a rapid test, um, I was, had a cold, I was feeling sick, I went and had a bath to try and relax and clear my sinuses, and my partner came and brought me a rapid test, took it in the bath. Could there have been water droplets get on to things? Could it have extra moisture in the air, right? Like, could I have had wet hands when doing this? Um, I was careful, and um, you have a partner who knows what 
they're doing when it comes to administering them. So like, that's but, fine too. But again, a human being, a human it. being. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And again, it, it came back negative. Still went and got the 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 test just to make sure at the PCR center and was negative there too. I've successfully done the the neo at the end of the matrix thing, dodging COVID. There you um, go. <laughs> bullet time. Bullet time. <laughs> yeah, this is a, a a sad story. Record number of SAS people died from drug toxicity in 2021. And uh, yeah, they say the number of Saskatchewan people suspected to have died from drug toxicity in 2021 is more than double the year, the number from two years prior. 464 confirmed or suspected, according to the Saskatchewan coroner's office. Uh, so they they said for sure there's 225 confirmed in 2021. Yeah. So there's still a few that are suspected to have died from overdose. And in the article, there's discussion about uh, the role that fentanyl has played in some of these cases. Um, and I guess there's the uh, Saskatchewan Overdose Awareness Group. So that's somebody to, uh, that's a group to pay attention to and look for if you want to support, uh, people who are dealing with this, uh, overdose crisis in the province. And, and we've talked about this before as well. Um, I think one of our, our very first episodes, uh, so going back, you know, quite some time to much closer to the beginning of the pandemic, we talked about how, um, like this is one of the side effects of isolation. Um, yeah. And, and I like, I don't like correlation isn't causation. However, I don't think it's coincidence that this is happening during the pandemic. Right. Um, and like us bleeding heart liberal types are not um, unaware of the cost of lockdowns and isolation like it's not like we're going hey we need to have all of these rules and restrictions in place and nothing bad can come of it it's all (laughs) like it's the risk from covid is worse but that doesn't mean this isn't horrific and awful and humans are not meant to be as isolated as all of us have been um, over the last two years um and again my my incredibly fervent hope is that in two, five, ten years from now, when most of us have have the luxury of not having to um, live in pandemic type conditions anymore, um, and sort of have returned to our regular levels of socializing um, in contact with other people, that we remember what this was like and yeah. the difficulties and the challenges. Um, and once again, um, actually not once again, for the first time, start viewing um, addictions as a, a, a health issue rather right. than a crime issue yeah. um, and, and look to ensure that there are supports in place um, and there are social supports in place as well. So Yeah, for sure. I just spoke to somebody uh, earlier today about uh, like some of the issues that go along with addiction and how like how hard it can be even during the best of times to get away from that addiction. So it's even it's even harder now. 
And the article talks about the importance of um, safe injection sites. Um, oh, and I, I think, yeah, yeah. like, I, I don't think that can be stressed enough either. Um, how, like, we we have harm reduction sites for alcohol. Um, it's, you know, we have safe consumption sites for alcohol. Um, it, it, we know that that is... Um, we, the science shows that that is better for other drugs as well. Yeah. Um, and that it's uh, the moral choice is providing them. I don't care about if your morality says drugs are bad. I don't fucking care. Death is worse. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that should be the overriding moral choice as well. So. I don't know how yeah. much to say about it. It's news because he's the premier, but he got. He tested positive with a rapid test. Uh, I don't know if he ended up going and getting a PCR test, but I'm assuming he would. Um, but and this I, is like, almost two weeks. This is over two weeks ago now. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think um, I think the tweet from Ryan Miley kind of sums up my thoughts as well. Um, right, like. Um, he says, like, the Premier has had his booster dose, which puts him in a good spot to recover quickly. We know Omicron is spreading quickly. If you haven't gotten your shot, go get one, right? Like, um, starts off wishing Premier and everyone in Saskatchewan who's contracted COVID a speedy recovery. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't like Scott Moe's politics. Um, I hope he gets well soon. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't, I don't wish illness or pain or suffering on anyone. Um, I, I'm glad he has role modeled the behavior of getting vaccines, getting yep. the booster. Yep. Um, the fact that he recovered quickly, you know, speaks to that. So, our next story we have three articles all related to the same thing. And uh, it's the appointment of Raynell Wilson. The appointment of Raynell Wilson to. Uh, the highest ranks, they say, of the SHA, Saskatchewan Health Association. Uh, yeah. She is in a newly created vice president title that puts her in the executive branch of the Sask Health Authority. So I, I don't know. There's, there's talk of this as, as political cronyism. Um, there's concern from the – in one of the articles we'll have in the notes, there's concern about this being an – Inclination towards uh, more privatization of the health uh, healthcare system in Saskatchewan. Um, there was a lot of criticism from the NDP and from uh, Saskatchewan Labor, Labor Federation, and uh, and the but the Sask Party seems to think that this is all on the up and up, and that um, Wilson is a uh, person who has contributed to. Uh, public service for a long time and whatnot. So um, you mentioned TikTok earlier. Um, there's a TikToker that I follow who um, is a paralegal um, that works out of Ontario. Um, and uh, he was talking recently about the Canadian constitution. And I sort of going a little far afield, but it, it links back. Um, and he talked about how um, sort of there's the, the, 
three sort of written parts of our constitution, um, the, the British North, North America Act, the repatriated constitution in 82, and the charter. Uh, but then there's sort of the two unwritten parts that are equally part of our constitution, um, which are parliamentary norms um, and common law. And I think this speaks to the disrespect for the parliamentary norms aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, this is supposed to be a, like, this is supposed to be nonpartisan. Um, right. And one of the things... I've talked about again. I, I say I've talked about this before a lot. But <laughs> we talk about a lot of, of the same things over. <laughs> one of the themes that I see coming out of conservatives a lot is how much they trust the NDP and the Liberals and progressives in general. And what I mean by that is they keep doing things that violate parliamentary norms, that violate certain um, unwritten rules on behavior. Yeah. That will fuck themselves over if the other side ever gets in power. So right. either they don't think democracy is going to happen in their lifetime and they think they will just continue to rule a one-party state forever, which I hope they don't actually think because no matter how much you like a political party, I would hope that you would agree that any one party staying in power forever is a bad thing. Yeah. Um, and, or sorry, that they just trust that if the NDP ever form a government in Saskatchewan, they would never do the same thing. Yeah. Um, and, and we saw it when the conservatives were in power federally and it, and it sucks because it, um, again, it does one of two things. Either you have a situation where, when the more progressive party gets into power, either NDP provincially or liberals federally, they have to play by a different set of rules. And they basically say, yep, you're right. We are more trustworthy than you. We are going to follow the rules. <laughs> yeah. Or you have what Kretchen did federally, which is, okay, I'll take all of the power that you right. absconded with and use it too. And you have this escalation. Um, which is the case in uh, much of the executive power of the presidency in the U S like it's increases every time because they do more and more things through that branch. But, um, and so I think, again, this is one like, this is like the SHA is supposed to be nonpartisan. Like I would think, especially during a public health crisis, even more important. Yeah. Um, but again, it, it it's a bad precedent, um, and if and when the NDP form a government, I should say when, because like again, I don't see I believe a party it will other happen than the eventually. NDP. <laughs> yeah, I don't see a party other than the NDP being the ones to rise up and challenge the SASC party. No, but, no, you know, if and when a party other than the SASC party um, comes into power, again, it's going to be it's going to be those two choices. Will they? Say okay, you know, we, this should be an apolitical position. Yes, fine. Our our political opponents abused pa- their power, but we're not going to. In which case, they're they're trying to fight a you know a, a political battle with a hand tied behind their back. Yeah. Or they continue a cycle of being shitty, which both of those options suck. Yeah. Um, and I honestly don't know which is better. 
Yeah, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm not convinced either is actually better. <laughs> yeah. They're and both- I don't know what the third option is other than um Yeah. Other than <laughs> there being uproar and outrage amongst people who are typically supporters of the party that does shit like this. Yeah. Um so like again, if an NDP is in government is in power, the NDP supporters actually getting outraged when stuff like this happens. And currently, SAS party supporters getting outraged when stuff like this happens. And hopefully being able to have that enlightened self-interest to say, hey, wait, this isn't something we would want to have happen when the NDP eventually form a government. We want there to be checks on their power. We don't want them to have um, this precedent in place where an NDP um, political hack gets put in charge of SHA. Um, so I'm going to stand up and say, hey, we shouldn't be setting this precedent. Yeah. I mean, it, we obviously aren't going to see any outrage from the SAS party supporters right now. <laughs> and I'm not entirely convinced that at this time we would see any kind of outrage from uh, NDP supporters because they would they would be able to say, well, look at what the SAS no, party you're right. You're so. right. Well, and, and you do see that, right? When, yeah. like, when the Democrats in the states are pulling shit right now, um, they go, well, the Republicans were worse. And, mm-hmm. like, Trudeau has been able to say, well, the conservatives were worse. Like, and, like, to some extent, he's right. Justin Trudeau is not as bad as Stephen Harper. Um, <laughs> it's a low bar. But, and, I, and I mean that both in terms of, implementing policies that I like and or not implementing policies I don't like. So I mean that both from the policy perspective and I, and I knew that would be true from my very, very subjective opinion. But I also mean that from the frame of reference of parliamentary norms, consolidation of power within the PMO. Oh yeah, um, for sure. Centralization of authority, um, use of whip, like some of these more objective anti-democratic tools. Yeah. Trudeau uses more of them than I would like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's not using them to the level that. Right. He's not the firm dictator of his party the way that Harper was, but. Yeah. He does have he does have a lot of centralized And to show control. my lack of bias. And the way Cretchen did. Like Trudeau's also not as bad as Cretchen. Right. Like if we're if we're wanting to stay even within a single party, yeah. um like we can compare him to to like a liberal leader in the past. He's he is not nearly as um iron fisted um as the the last long-term liberal pre- uh, prime minister we had. So yeah, that's right. Long-term. I'm skipping Martin because Martin's <laughs> problem was he wasn't enough like that. He was, he went too far. The other <laughs> yeah. Almost doesn't count. Yeah. SAS party will not deny the MLA that MLAs attended a unified grassroots event. Uh, so unified grassroots is a anti-vax group that uh, they do zoom meetings apparently. And some SAS party MLAs were invited to this Zoom meeting and Unified Grassroots claims that they did attend, but they are anonymous. So it's hard to know exactly what's happened here, but the party says or didn't deny that they attended. Yeah. They want it both ways, right? They want That's to have right. 
Um, they want to be able to tell the center, <laughs> the center right living in Wascana View, 47 year olds, and the people who live up in Stonebridge in Saskatoon who have, you know, um, queer children and nephews and, you know, all of that, that, okay, no, no, these are, I can still vote Sask party because they're, they're not, they're not like the Republicans in the U S you're just right. scaremongering. They're not that bad. They're, they're moderates while at the same time they want, they like, they need to sort of be under the radar enough that that constituency will still vote for them. Yeah. Yeah. While also not pushing, um, their constituency over to the Buffalo party and the, I don't even know what some of the other movements are like move into the sort of more fringe movements and like also not just their constituency, but I think to some degree their own MLAs because realistically the threat from the right right now within parties like the Sask party and the UCP in Alberta isn't really at a grassroots level. Right. Um, the Buffalo party, if the, you know, the Buffalo party at this point is never really going to get above you know, 5% of, yeah. the, pop, of the vote. Um, that, they, they're not they, a real threat to the, the no. SAS party. Our, our campaign finance in Saskatchewan is going to prevent that, if nothing else. We have right. virtually no no restrictions on election spending, so there's no way that um, <laughs> a, a Buffalo party is going to be a credible threat yeah. unless MLAs break off. Like right. that's the threat. the The threat isn't that a bunch of independent people are going to run next election. It's existing MLAs cross the floor and form their own party. Yeah. And yeah. so you need to continue letting your MLAs go to anti-vax rallies. You need to continue letting your MLAs subtly push for, um, you know forced birth legislation that right. regulates abortion out slowly. You need to, you know, let your MLAs be homophobic behind closed doors. Um, because otherwise, if you don't allow that, if you don't give them their latitude, they're going to start being more public and joining rallies that drive trucks to Ottawa um, yep. <laughs> and create the wild rose and create the reform party and, and, and break away and actually form something that can threaten you. Yeah. Yeah. Which is how, like you say, the NDP gained power for a brief moment in Alberta. So, yeah. <laughs> and they don't want that to happen. Absolutely. Cause that like that definitely would disrupt their stranglehold. And even if they don't break away, the other thing they don't want to have happen is the yahoos start being, more public and more vocal about their yeah. views. So you need to give them just enough leeway that they feel that they're being listened to, that they feel that they have their freedom um, so that they can go to anti-mask rallies. They can still go to parties with white supremacists privately and sort yeah. of support, you know, uh, the people that are homophobic on the down low. And if they feel that they have enough freedom to do that privately, they won't have to do it publicly. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I, I don't envy Scott Moe having to walk that tightrope. But no. again, like 
you also don't have to walk that tightrope. You could just say, you know what, I don't care about the political cost. Um, human lives are at risk and their behavior is intolerable. Um, so like he could say that there's, there's nothing physically preventing him from actually taking a moral stand. That, uh, that's a really important point too, because uh, in his, in his world, he's doing that calculus and, and sometimes the calculus is uh, like that figuring out of what is the best political move isn't going to be moral. Right, like it's not going to be the right move ethically. So, but he also, I don't know. We don't know his inner thoughts. Maybe he agrees with these people, and maybe he doesn't. Yeah, that's true. That's 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 an issue in and of itself. And yeah, Saskatchewan premiers claim that restrictions don't curb Omicron lacks evidence, according to an epidemiologist. Uh, this is related to uh, <laughs> Scott Moe doesn't think that we should have any restrictions on limiting people uh, on gatherings. Um, and this is contrary to what uh, chief medical health officer said. And uh, this article says two doctors, but uh, multiple doctors have said that this is not correct. Restrictions on limiting people and gathering does have an impact on uh, transmission. Ending vaccines or vaccine mandates, uh, in the not <laughs> in the not too vis- distant future, because he doesn't seem to think that it's necessary anymore. And again, I said uh, we don't have the star the story, but also there's there was a lifting of uh, restrictions on uh, what was it the staying home when you're when you're isolating when you pr- uh, get a positive test um, stuff like that. It just over and over again, it seems like Scott Moe has decided that he's done with this pandemic. We're done with this pandemic and the numbers be damned. The facts be damned. We're just done. Yeah. I, I wish it worked that way. That would be great. I do. Yeah. Right? <laughs> that would be great. Don't we all? Like, isn't that true on a personal level so often too, right? You know, how many times have I, you know, have has one of us, you know, had a cold or been sick and more serious illnesses too, and oh, just yeah. been like, I wish I could just pretend that I wasn't sick anymore and be yeah. able to go about, you know, my my daily life. Um, I talked about how before Christmas I had got a non-COVID related cold, but I got a cold, uh, and I, I work at a job where I can work from home, um, and so you know. My first three, four days of, of having this cold, I worked from home and I was like the Thursday of the week. I actually had to actually take a sick day. Um, and I look back on it going, I was stupid from, for working from home. This wasn't just a, you know, I have the ability to work from home and I'm working from home because I have, no, I was actually sick. I should right. have not worked on the Monday, rested, recovered maybe been okay to work Tuesday or maybe not if I still needed the rest. I don't know because I didn't. So instead I did a bad job at my work Mm. for three days in a row where I I wasn't doing well. I wasn't performing at my best by any stretch, trying to tough through it and not take the precautions I should have taken. Finally, I had to take those precautions anyways. 
right. uh, and, and have sick time off, um, took off more time than I probably would have had to had I just taken the precautions at the beginning, plus the level of performance I had when not taking those precautions, as well as after when I did take them, like was worse as well. So all in all, just pretending that I wasn't sick hurt far more than going, you know what? I'm sick. This sucks. I hate it. I, I need to do what I need to do. Um, and, you know, we talk about, you know, if you're given a 10 day dose of antibiotics, then like the thing that every single doctor, pharmacist, every medical healthcare <laughs> professional that you come in contact with from that day stretch, the first thing they tell you every single time without fail, you probably hear it 30 times if you hear it once is do not stop when you're feeling better. That's the worst thing you can possibly do. Take all 10 days. Um, you know, you talk to people who are cancer survivors and they talk about during the toughest days of chemotherapy, um, it was every ounce of willpower they had to continue taking the chemo because the chemo itself like was so painful and so challenging and so difficult. And yeah, Every single one of them probably wishes they could just pretend that the cancer was gone and that they didn't need the chemo anymore because the chemo really fucking sucks. Yeah. And COVID precautions really fucking suck. The vaccine yeah. is a shot in the arm. Um, like it's not easy, pleasant yeah. if you get some side effects. Um, I was, again, when I got mine, I was knocked on my ass for a day or two. Like it's not pleasant, but like the social isolation, like, the last two years have been awful. They have not been pleasant. Um, trying to navigate school from home, trying to navigate missing friends. I'm sick and tired of visiting through Zoom. Um, like all of these things suck. And yeah, I wish we could just pretend COVID was gone so we didn't have to do them anymore. But that's that's just not how it works. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not it's the it's the thing that I've heard from many people, right? Like I'm done with COVID. But that's the thing. Like it doesn't work yeah. that way. It's not done it with makes, us. It it makes me think of like windy days at work or really really minus 40 days at work. Like I have to go outside and do the work regardless of the 50 kilometer an hour gusts, regardless of the minus 40. And I hate it. And Absolutely. When I realize it's time to go out and do the work, I'm like, no, no. <laughs> but, but the work well, has work to, get still needs to get done. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So you got to do it. Yeah. And, and the precautions still need to get taken as much as they suck. Yeah. Um, and yeah, ending proof of vaccination policies and um, yeah. ending self isolation. It, it might have got bumped here, uh, yeah. but there was a story about uh, a church in Melfort and uh, how uh, churches don't actually have to have a vaccination proof for you to go to church. And part of me was really surprised that like that was one of the because that's a place where people go and gather. Like it makes sense to me that they should have uh, vaccination proofs as well. But. And I get it. I, I, I get the desire to stop the yeah. isolation. Um, I, yeah. I, I don't want anyone to, for a second, think I don't have empathy for the desire. I, 
June of like of 2021, like got my vaccine second shot on June 20th, March or sorry, July 3rd. I was like, all right, <laughs> we'll watch the Time socialize. It's been two yeah. weeks since vaccine yeah. number two. We've got a lull. Let's like, let's hug. <laughs> I miss yeah, hugging. Yeah. Um, a lot of things I missed as well. Uh, but, um, and so, yeah, like, again, I, I tried to stay cautious. I, you know, would only go socialize with people who were also double vaccinated and have those conversations right. and, and all of that. But I, I get the desire to congregate again. Um, like you and I have both talked about how, again, uh, um, you know, speaking of churches, like one of the biggest um, things you hear within the atheist community is, you know, the la- that lack of community that people yeah. feel when they've left a faith. Um, they, they'll talk about, um, you know, I don't miss the belief in God. I don't miss sort of, uh, this, the, the sense of purpose that, you know, Christians think I'm going to miss. No, I got that. Like that piece is covered. My sense of awe and wonder at the universe is like All good. untouched, if not greater, <laughs> now that I don't believe in God. I miss after the hour of sermon going into the basement and drinking tea and coffee with everyone and milling around. Um, I miss hearing a kid crying in the back pew. Um, I miss standing and singing a song with a hundred other people, half of which are out of key, right? Like that's this beautiful, wonderful sense of community that people who leave faiths miss. And and I think a lot of atheist communities do a wonderful job trying to rebuild it or secular communities. And I think society as a whole is transitioning away from churches being the only place where you can find that. Right. But, um, you know, this is not a new phenomenon. And so I get why people who haven't left faiths are missing it even more because it wasn't, it wasn't even by choice. Like right. if someone leaves a faith and no longer has that community to fall back on, they can at least say, you know what? Living my truth is worth not having that sense of community anymore. And I'm sad that that community may have turned my their back on me or even just I don't feel I belong in it anymore. But at least I can rely like at least I can fall back on the fact that it was my choice. Right. For people who are religious, I, I get that it sucks because it wasn't your choice to have this pandemic come and that that is a core part of your identity and a core part of how you connect with the world and with other people. So it, yeah, sure. it, it does suck. And I, I, I hope that we get to a point where it's safe to consistently have those communities again. I just wished everyone would participate equally in the sacrifices needed to make it safe again. Yeah. No. Sorry, I was a rant. I was a little bit soapboxy there. No, that's that's perfect, actually. We're running up on 55 minutes here, so I think we might have to call her a night. Yeah, no worries. (laughs) No, I... I, I think the next story we're going to talk about was what we talked about at the beginning of the show anyways around restaurants. Yeah. And I, I think none of the others are, are stuff that is super, super time sensitive to talk about. And I think most of them can be uh, be saved for another two weeks. So, Or there will be more to talk about. And there will be more always... to talk about. Um, <laughs> I was going to say we were going to talk a little bit more, I think, about the truck rally. But I think, uh, I think in two weeks from now, uh, we'll have a little bit better hindsight talking about it because we uh we record on sundays so at this point 
we don't know all of the shenanigans that are going to come out of this rally. So I yeah. think, again, in two weeks we can been watching Twitter more. and uh, Facebook and seeing a lot of the stuff that's been going on, but a lot of it doesn't even make fully like a whole lot of sense at this point. Well, it, very, it, it, it makes sense it if you, depending <laughs> on the lens you look at it from, right? Yeah. This was true. never actually about truck drivers. Like mm-hmm. more and more that comes out, we know that that was, it, it's, you got a bit of astroturfing going on and it, it's, yep. you have a bunch of, you know, white nationalists who wanted to have a rally and an organized one and slapped. Use this excuse. Yeah. Slap the excuse on top of it. And I feel bad for the people who got hoodwinked into believing them. But at the same time, if you, you're not being cautious about who you lay down with. Anyways, I just said, we're not going to talk about (laughs) it. And then I start talking about it. Look at me. uh, I can't not uh, talk about things. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's all right. My instinct always is if somebody at the place I in the group that I'm in starts waving a Nazi flag, that's my cue to exit. Yeah. Your cue to call it out and say, hey, put that yes. fucking flag away. That's yeah. not like, don't yes. say to the people who aren't at that group, hey, this isn't who we are. Say to the people who are carrying the fucking Nazi flag, no, this isn't who we are. Yeah. That's who you have to say, no, this isn't who we are. Um, and but they that, can't do that because that's who they are. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no, you're right, and it, it isn't who all of them are, though. No, and we know right. that it isn't who it probably isn't even who a majority of them are. But for the majority of them, who that's not who they are, that's also not a deal breaker, and right. and that's been uh, a thing I have been painfully aware of in North America for about five years now. All all of this bullshit where people are like, oh, well, I don't support this cause because I'm a racist. No, but you support it in spite of it being racist. So, like, I don't care that that's not the reason. Um, and, you know, at risk of Godwin's law, the name for people who voted for the Nazi party because they believed in its economic policy and were members of the Nazi party because they believed in the infrastructure programs and not because of the genocide, were still fucking Nazis. Um, and if you're, if you're at a rally with swastikas on Canadian flags and Confederate flags and like, that's still who you are if you are there. And you got two choices, leave, as you said, or shut it the fuck down so that shit ain't at your rally anymore. Yeah, that's right. So, With that, sorry. you can find us at anchor.fm slash peoples. <laughs> Our Twitter is at skpoliticspod. Our Facebook is facebook.com slash frommanypeoplesstrengthpod. Uh, our email is from many peoples at gmail.com and you can support the show by sending us money at buymeacoffee.com slash from many peoples. That should be it. Yeah. Thank you once again, Corey, um, for all of the, the technical work you do behind the scenes to make this happen and to make it sound good and to make it so that my slurping of water while we talk isn't coming through <laughs> and all of those great things you do. I, I know this podcast would not be a, a fraction of what it is if you didn't put lots of hours of labor in um, outside of the time we spend chatting. So I appreciate that very much. 
Uh, you're very welcome. I appreciate your time as well. <laughs> All right, take care. See you in two weeks. You bet. <laughs>